Disclaimer today on the show, we are talking about suicide, so listener discretion is advised. However, we hope that you'll stay and listen. The therapist on the show, Christy Edwards, and our guest, Angel Munoz, will talk about suicide awareness with love and respect. This is a safe zone. Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the executive director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the marketing and development director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. Hey, Christy and Melanie, how is it going over there at Centers for Children and Families? It's, it's going good. We're really busy. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's picking back up. We're seeing more people in the office. So, you know, people do like being able to come into their safe space to talk. So while we continue the telehealth, and that's the majority of what we do, we're also, you know, bringing some people in. Yes, it's been very, it's been uh, like, as you know, a lot of creative fundraising and things are different, but we're rolling with the punches. So, so, so Melanie, uh, September is National Suicide Prevention Month. Yes, it is. We have, this is a good time to open up that conversation, uh, especially with what Centers does. Uh, of course, uh, that is a big part of what we, what our therapists are trained in, recognizing the signs, knowing uh, what to look for and how to, how to guide clients and family members. It's pretty scary if you have a loved one that talks about suicidal thoughts or if you feel that you yourself is having them. If you feel like you're just kind of giving up, I think that there's a likelihood that there have been a lot more of that. I mean, there has been some statistics sure. that have come out indicating that. And this is National Suicide Prevention Month. Um, so, Melanie, would you let me jump in for just a second? Yes, but, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to draw everybody's attention, especially the listeners and those that don't know, uh, up until just a few years ago, it used to be called the National Suicide Awareness Month. And, you know, there was a time when we were like, okay, we feel like we have an awareness that it's going on and that it happens sometimes in clusters and that it can be gender-based, it can be age-based and whatever. What we want to really focus on is the prevention before we get there and we're just tallying up statistics. So I think that's just important for people to know that there has been a change and there's been this um, real kind of organic push for the prevention, not just the awareness. That's very important to know. Absolutely. And I think it almost that whole it's a way of thinking that we all have a responsibility to pay attention to everyone around us. I think especially right now. Agree. Um, and hopefully people are paying attention to us as well. We have a special guest with us. Her name is Angel Munoz. And uh, welcome, Angel. Thank Hello. you for being here. Um, Yes, Angel has a really special story to share. Uh, she actually, she's 
military and has a military family and has been a part of, she was a part of our event last year. We honored her family as a, as a gold star, white star family. Um, and she can explain a little bit about what that is and, and uh, a little bit more detail. Thanks a lot, Angel. If you want to tell us yeah, uh, a little bit about why you're here. Well, first, like you said, my name is Angel and I am a, a army veteran. Um, served before September 11th happened and uh, all three of my brothers, uh, Robert, who served in the army, went to Iraq in 2004. My brother Gilbert at the Marine Corps went to Iraq in 2003. And my youngest brother, who also served in the Marine Corps, uh, went to Iraq in 2008. Um, Unfortunately, uh, what makes us a gold star family is my brother Robert was killed in action April 4th, 2004, along with seven other men. Um, They were ambushed in Sadr City, Iraq. And my brother Gilbert, uh, lives in Galveston right now with his family. And my brother Jeremy, on September 4th, 2015, uh, took his own life. Um, and that's what makes us a White Star family as well. Uh, it, it was his death that actually pushed me uh, to reach out to the VA and get help for myself because I was not doing good. And I still carried that warrior mentality that I could do this by myself. And obviously we can't. So <laughs> that's what brings me here today is I, I, I'm trying to share our story um, to make sure that uh, people know that there is hope and, and it's no shame in reaching out. And also, you know, to hopefully encourage friends and family members to not just sit there and wait for the veteran uh, to reach out because sometimes we won't. You know, and you know that that's a big thing. Is we we recently lost another member of my brother's unit uh, to suicide, and uh, it was his death also this year that seemed to push a lot of us into a pro a proactive uh, mode, uh, checking on each other and uh, trying to do some positive things. Uh, to, to bring awareness and, and, and stuff to, to the issues that specifically pertain to veterans because we are different, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's just a tough thing right now. My brother's anniversary is Friday, so. Our heart goes, our hearts go out to you. I know this is a, this is, this is a tough time anyway, but I think it's a really great way to um, honor his memory in trying to help others. Um, I think it's so important that you are turning that into something active or proactive for you because so many of us, we don't feel strongly about something until it directly affects us. Right. And I think, um, you know, the more people that will you know, share their story or share what they feel like is important to do, the more people might go, you know, this is something I really can get behind and support. So once again, it, t- it takes a brave person to come talk about it. And we do appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank I- you. I think um, it's one thing for us to talk about statistics or, you know, signs to look for, but you obviously, uh, you bring this to the light in a more personal way because people will listen to something they can attach to tangibly. 
can feel emotion about. So, and um, I love what what Angel said about um, not being afraid to talk about it and not doing it alone. That's what we advocate for on this podcast. And I just love what you said, Angel, about that. Yeah, well, I actually have help this year. Um, to be quite honest, uh, it took me ten years to speak on my brother Robert's death. One again, that warrior mentality has us suck it up and drive on. And I thought we all carried that mentality. I think we did. And I thought we were all okay because we were able to reconcile that, you know what, my brother signed the same line we all did. And unfortunately, you don't sign the line just to go have fun. You know, you you sign that line to go and defend the country, your brothers and sisters, whatever whatever the mission may be, you know, you sign up to do that and you know that your life is at risk and, you know, but what we don't sign up for <laughs> is what we come back with. Um, I never served in war, thank God. My brothers did. I watch my brother Gilbert struggle a little bit and uh, has some issues dealing with the VA and, you know, I, I didn't know my brother Jeremy was struggling, but you know, now I do, and now I know, looking back, I could see things, and, you know, it, it gives me a little bit of fire to take care of myself, even though it's taken me five years to take care of myself, truly take care of myself, and to where I have the courage, you know, to actually stick my foot out there and actually do something about it, and, you know, because um, I always said I was, I always said I would, and fear of failure and disappointment, and piled on me for quite a few years till this year um i I would like to share what what gave me that positive push was uh my brother would have been a grandfather this year um my my nephew my oldest nephew had a a little baby girl Hmm. and the second that i saw her uh i saw my brother and i saw that uh there's some hope and that it's time that I show his children and his granddaughter, you know, that they don't need to know my brother through sadness. Right. And that and he's not what he did. He's not what, how he died. You know, my brother was a good man. That's that's pretty powerful. Angel, would you could you possibly share some of the things that you look back on? It might have been like you said, you can look back in, in hindsight and see some things. Is there anything yeah, in particular that you could share? What I noticed, what I personally, you know, looking back, you know, I was going through pictures and I could see dark rings under their eyes, under his eyes where he wasn't sleeping well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really, really reserved, really quiet. Um, you know, I, I was always around him. We lived in the same town, but I, you know, um, he, he kind of withdrew a little bit, I think. You know, the, the very last time I saw him was my birthday, which was three weeks before he passed away. And, uh, you know, we just didn't talk a whole lot for some reason those last three weeks. And, you know, it's it, pulling back from everybody and it's getting even more quiet than what it really was. I could be in a Marine. I think that's even more burned into their brains that, you know, you're a Marine, you don't break, you don't hurt, 
suck it up. Yeah. You know, it's even worse than with the army, I think. And, uh, you know, it's that, you know, and, and, and my mom mentioned some things, you know, that my brother said and did about, he wasn't necessarily going to possessions, but, you know, he said something to my mother. And so in, in a way he did, you know, he started giving stuff away a little bit, you know, without mm-hmm. giving too much of that situation. And, you know, just really kind of pulled away. And we thought he was going to reach out for help again. And uh, he just didn't. You know, he, he had everything squared away, you know. He was making, you know, the life insurance right. You know, he was doing all these little things that he, we didn't pay no mind to because my brother was always squared away. By squared away, he always had his stuff together, it seemed. You know, so I, that threw us off because, I mean, that was something he always did. So, you know, it was kind of hard to do that. Um, I, I didn't notice any, you know, mood things or nothing like that. But like I said, he just got even quieter. And so, and, and he wasn't very impulsive. You know, he wasn't doing these crazy things, you know. So, I, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's different for everybody. You know, like, it's just different. You sure. know, for me... Right after my brother passed away, I, I got, I, I got, I found myself in a very dark and lonely place. And I, that, that pushed me, though, because I was like, there, there's no way. I found myself pulling away. I found myself having dramatic, and by dramatic, I mean seriously dramatic mood swings. I was starting to have social issues. And if you know me, which Melanie kind of does, yes. I'm a very friendly person. Yes. And I wasn't anymore at that moment. And I, I mean, I could speak on, on that for myself. And I realized that I was having some serious issues. And I reached out. I had to make the step to reach out because I didn't want to burden my family with what we yeah. were dealing with. We think it's so important that, you know, if you notice something, even if you're thinking that's not my brother or that's not myself, is that you do. Um, you know, that you do reach out or that somebody will say you have to have somebody in your family or in your circle that is brave enough to say, this is not you and I'm not going to go away. I need you to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. We will do this together. But if you don't know to look for it or if you've not, you know, if if everybody kind of downplays, oh, you know, this is what I'm doing and you don't want to be intrusive. So basically what we're telling people is intrude the heck out of your loved one's lives if you see any <laughs> No, I laugh because uh, I'm pretty sure if my friend that I'm going to about, about to talk about, you know, uh, listens to this, uh, I did that. You know, I promised when my brother passed away. I was not going to back down. I didn't care if I had to break a door down. I didn't care if somebody got mad at me. Mm-hmm. Never talked to me again, you know, because uh, I, I would give anything, anything. For my brother to be mad at me right now. Yeah. Instead of not being here. And so we had a, another friend, a Marine Corps buddy, a, a Marine Corps veteran um, who became my friend. And uh, he's a, not by nature, I think he's a recluse, but, you know, you know, he took to me, you know, we talk, we laugh, we send each other stupid things. And, uh, you know, one time, a little over a year ago, uh, he, uh, we treated more than normal, and I was one of the few people, you know, that he dealt with that knew where he lived. And so when he wasn't showing up for work and not answering phone calls, 
uh, another veteran buddy of ours uh, called me and told me, you know, so-and-so is not answering his phone. You know, so-and-so is not showed up to work. You know, everybody's worried about him. And you're the only one that knows where he lives. You know, and so I tried contacting him on all these avenues, you know, the social media, whatever, and my phone, and he wouldn't answer me. So I got in my car at 12 o'clock at night, and I went and knocked on his door. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up people that he lived with, but I didn't care. You yeah. know, uh, when he came to the door, I kind of cussed at him, and uh, I just started crying. And, you know, he, he just said, I'm okay, I wasn't feeling good, blah, blah, you know, yada, yada. He deleted me on all social media and did not talk to me for a year. Uh, every time I saw him, he would turn the other way. And in my head, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Because I knocked that door down. I I let him know I care. You know, if he still decides to disappear like that again, at least he knows somebody cared enough to go do that. And, well, you don't want, you know, we never want to offend somebody. And I think that's why we sometimes pull back. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I so applaud you for saying, I do not care if it costs me your friendship. I am going to still push forward yeah you know a year later he sends me a message and apologizes and said he wasn't used to somebody to used to somebody caring like that and I was like well you know I'm sorry but that's what you get with me so either you're my friend or you're not you yeah. know because when I Jeremy th- died you know yeah. that changed my world in a dramatic way and also gave me that I think I took on his bullheadedness um, because he was very private and I became this, you give me a chance to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. You know, he left me behind and he did, he messed up leaving me behind because <laughs> I got a big mouth and I'm going to talk, you know, and you know, that's just what it is. You know, I'm pretty sure he's up there in heaven saying, you know, what are you doing? Wow. You're talking too much again. But you know, I have to do it. I have to. I'm sure he appreciates it. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that we we often talk about, this is absolutely falling along those lines, but the stigma. There's a stigma to suicide sometimes within families where, you know, something will happen and a death will happen and no one really wants to share what happened. Uh, I think that's, um, you're missing a really great opportunity to um, let that be something that, a, a way you can honor their memory and not treat it like it's something to be hidden, but like, but as you were doing, it is something to help others so that there's a way to prevent it. It's so critical because no one is immune. There's no one that is immune. This could, this could be any one of us in this situation or any one of our family members, our friends. So it's so important that we have people like yourself, Angel, that are uh, courageous enough to share these stories because that's more than anything what's going to connect people. It's so much more uh, powerful than us talking about listing out the way things to look for. Just hearing someone speak about it, it, it from personal experience, that's that's what will connect to others and hopefully save someone. So we do appreciate well, that. One thing I've learned um, throughout the years is, you know, I, I, I'll have anxiety throughout the day if I know I'm going to talk about it. And, and then something happens. We share the story. And one more person says, 
hey, that's me, you know, mm-hmm. or something. Each time we've done it, it never fails. We always help at least one person. And, you know, that's all I want. You know, I don't want, I can't save the world, obviously, since we lost another brother from the unit. But I could save somebody. To yes, person, absolutely. You know, and I just want to make a difference. That's all I want. That's all I've ever wanted. That was my whole thing with joining the military in the first place. But I just want to make a difference. And well, you I know, hope I do that. You, know? you are absolutely doing that. Yes. promise. With every every time you speak um, and every time you, you share your story, you are making a difference. And you are touching people and probably people that you will never even know about. But it's happening. Right. And Angel, can you tell us what steps you took uh, whenever you realized, hey, this is bigger than just me. I need to get help. Can you walk us through those steps that you took to find help? Yes, actually. Um, what pushed me overboard really was I was having physical problems as well. And I knew that I I can describe my personal experience. Because, you know, it was it was very real for me. I could be, the day that I reached out was, I was driving down the road and all of a sudden, I knew where I was going. I was totally focused, but I, I felt like I was in tunnel vision. And it was very dark on both sides. And I kept seeing different things. I kept seeing my brother's road. I kept seeing my brother's house. I kept seeing his, and I wasn't there. You know, but my mind was taking me there. It's like, there's no way I can live like this. There's, I'm going to go crazy, and this is awful. You know, so I called the VA, and I said, look, you know, I've never reached out for help before. don't know if I even qualify because I got out early. I don't know that I deserve it, but I need help. And it was funny because when I did that, you know, normally the typical process for getting help with the VA is, absolutely ridiculous and time-consuming and could take forever. I had my help within six months, complete help. Um, saw a psychiatrist even sooner than that six months. And, uh, you know, it was just, I, I don't know if it was, it was a bad thing, you know, because sure. I was that far gone, you know. I was that far gone. All I said was, I just want mental help. I just want mental help. Something's not right. This is not right. And, you know, I, that's all I did. I mean, I got lucky. I got lucky with the process. You know, being so quick and, you know, sporadically throughout the years, the last five years, I fall back and pull away from therapy and whatnot. And, you know, this year is the first year that I've thrown myself into things. You know, I go to group every Monday. I go to equine therapy as much as possible. Um, and I take the meds that I need and stay on it in order to make myself better. And, you know, I need that help right now, unfortunately, you know, so. Sure. Christy, what advice would you give to someone in Angel's position where it's been a few years, but the story just doesn't go away. Those thoughts don't go away. Um, something like when an anniversary comes up, what are some coping mechanisms? Well, I think Angel's already doing so many great things. And, you know, sometimes people are like, you know, I don't want to dedicate, I don't want it to feel like a shrine or anything like that. I just think a quiet um, acknowledgement, you know, maybe you cook his favorite meal or his favorite cake or you go see his 
um, grandchild or whatever in honor. And I think that, you know, you're talking about wanting to help just one person or to, you know, kind of pay things forward. And I, I think it's important that every time that you think about, am I helping anybody is that you remember you're doing this for yourself, for your brother, for the person in the unit, for anybody, and but especially for that grandchild and for everyone. So anyway, something small, a release of balloons. Um, a lot of people don't want to remember it because it's like painful and you're like, I don't want to make people sad by bringing it up. The healthiest thing you can do is say, this was somebody that's important to me that we loved and we miss and and this is what we're going to do. Oh, that's one thing we've always done since the first year that my bro- my other brother was gone is we my mom goes out there and you would think my brother's headstone is brand new <laughs> the way my mom cleans these things and uh we go and release balloons and we'll play either their favorite song or a song that makes us think of them um sometimes we'll write messages on the balloons and mm-hmm. you know send it to them um one thing I've always done with Jeremy and since my own struggle with mental illness is every September 4th, even if I'm struggling particularly hard that year, I get on Facebook Live and I share our story and I share wow. who my brother was to me. And, you know, uh, through Facebook, I'm in contact with different organizations, different groups, uh, I am involved with TAPS, which is the Tragedy Assistance for Survivors of the military loss, and I am also a part of just a, a, a now, just this year's Travis Manion Foundation, um, who is also, you know, you got to look up their, his story. It is a phenomenal story, and what his family is doing to make a difference in honor of his death, and so I'm involved with that, and there's also groups on there that I get involved with that are military survivor, you know, sibling survivors. And, um, you know, I, 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 I threw myself into all that and I kept it because, you know, each one of us can lean on the other through them. I realized that I'm really not all that crazy, you know, with how I grieve and how I cope. And so that's why every September 4th, when I do my Facebook live video, regardless of how terrible I feel that day, I go and I share my brother's story and I share how we do it and, you know, with a positive message, you know, to others who are struggling, you know, and, you know, I've always never, it didn't matter how bad I felt, I still, at clockwork, I do that because that's always helped me let out what I do, and then I get up and I go to work and I can function, you know, a little bit. (laughs) That's really important. Yeah. Um, And that takes, I have to say, I'm sorry, Christy. (laughs) No, no, no. I was just going to say what you're doing shame out of the equation and it with love and honor and I think that's some that's something that has slowly changed over the year because people used to just say oh and it was a suicide we don't talk about it and I think everybody is healthier um, the world is healthier I think it's allowed us to intrude in people's lives because we are talking about it yes right. and uh, just in uh, centers actually provides uh, counseling for military and their families, free counseling. So uh, please know that and uh, for yourself or anyone around you, anyone that you know that needs that, please reach out. Um, Chrissy, could you give us some, uh, 
let's let's talk about some risk factors that some of our listeners might want to pay attention to. I know that Angel has shared uh, quite a few that she could see, and a lot of them are uh, sound like, I mean, they look like what what we see, but would you mind sharing that? I, I do not mind sharing. So, I mean, number one for, uh, for us in the mental health field is this, if there's a family history of suicide, which could mean that that is, you know, um, a coping mechanism. It could mean that there's a history of depression or anxiety or, or some post-traumatic stress. You know, look for substance abuse that substance abuse or use that was previously not an issue. So if it kind of ramps up, you're going to go, okay, so they're maybe, you know, fighting something. Um, we're always, um, you know, quick to say, do they have access to firearms or any, uh, any other means, even though we know that that's not always the first one that they turn to. Um, be aware that there's a serious or chronic illness that sometimes people, you know, just feel like they can't go on. So, you know, we want to watch out for that and, and that, because that's usually accompanied by some depression. Um, and then we want to remind people that there is a gender kind of bias. Uh, men are four times more likely to die by suicide, even though women make more attempts. We want to look, look out for a history of trauma or abuse. And sometimes with our military people, there's the, the trauma, the post-traumatic you know, stress. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's just being away from things that are familiar to you for, you know, months or years on end. And then um, a recent tragedy or loss. So once again, if you've lost someone in your family and there's a history of suicide in your family, we're really going to watch those family members. I'm looking at what Melanie sent me and it shows like the risk factors, right? And it shows family history of suicide. Okay. My, you know, there is a family history of suicide. There is a family history of depression. Uh, my brother had access to firearms. Uh, our mental illness has been a struggle for me since I was a child. Um, you know, uh, we do have a family history of trauma and abuse in our lives, and uh, unfortunately, you know, lost. You know, it's crazy to me that my brother had all these risk factors. You right. know, and it, me, I mean, me too. I mean, the only thing I don't have is access to firearms. I refuse to carry a gun because yeah. of what happened with my brother, and you know, everything else I've had issues with, and you know. It, but that's why I now, you know, within this last year, again, you know, have dedicated myself to keeping that promise I made five years ago, you know, and doing whatever I can to make sure that my mental health is in check, you know, so that way I can help others. Do I have perfect days? I'll, I'll, do I, I never have perfect days, but do I have bad days? Yes. Mm-hmm. But this year recently has been probably the most hopeful I've ever been in a really long time. Really? Because I've actually actually taken the steps to do something about it. That's amazing. This, this, it's good. I think that's wonderful to hear something good because we keep hearing bad things about this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and speaking of this year, um, we've talked a little bit about um, COVID-19 because there's been this idea that, you know, we're, there's sort of been an underlying expectation all the way back from uh, March that this was going to become an issue. And the CDC recently released a survey that was conducted in June indicating that 25% of respondents aged 18 to 24 report, reported having seriously 
considered suicide within the 30 days before completing the survey. Um, doesn't mean it's absolute or anything. It's just interesting because it's it's different. I mean, it, uh, this year's hit some people pretty hard. So uh, we know that it's a it's a great time to open up. I think most of us we talk about this. We're more open about mental health right now because everybody knows we're all having mental health stuff right this mm-hmm. year because it's so many unexpected factors. Um, but uh, but it's not an abs- There is no absolute, right, Christy? There's no. It, no. It's just. I, I think once again, it, it becomes uh, imperative that those of us that work in the field, those of us that work in high risk areas, you know, military, you know, police force, doctors, things like that, that you are constantly giving them the education about, you know, what you're going to feel internally, what your risk factors are, how, how you're, you know, we always say it's okay to say, you know, when you're feeling something. So we've got to, we have to continue making all of those things okay to say. Right. Well, we listened to a speaker and this was something that, um, this is along the lines of Angel talking about, I'm going to break your door down. It doesn't matter. It's good. But a, a door that gets broken down, I think that's not, not so, not exact, but it's just about as uh, powerful, I think, is having someone ask the question because that's really tough, but that's what. The speaker that we uh, had been talking to mentioned, if you recall, Christy, she said it's okay to ask someone if they're having those feelings, which mm-hmm. that can be really hard. How would how do you ask someone that question? Well, and that's where you have to be really brave, and you just have to say, you may, you know, kind of like Angel did with her friend, you may get mad at me, and you may not want to be my friend again, but I love you, and I'm going to ask you this question, and I hope you'll be honest with me. And then if you don't feel like they are, you have to say, you know, I kind of feel like you might be downplaying something and I'm going to keep asking you this question. I'm going to keep giving you resources that you might reach out to. Um, it, it really does become you are possibly saving someone's life. And at that point, as Angel did, get mad at me. I don't care. <laughs> wait, wait, <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> well, and, and I think that one of the best ways to ask, you know, for me is luckily, for the people around me, I am incredibly open. Uh, and so they know, you know, when something's up. And they'll be like, well, I mean, they know how to talk to me because I'm a little rough around the edges. But, you know, they, they know, hey, what's up? You know, what's wrong with you? You know, that's just how we are with each other. But I think the most best possible way is, you know, you look like you're struggling a bit, you know, uh, you want to go to lunch, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you want, is it okay if I call you later? You know, uh, can I take you anything? You know, if you know that they have like a favorite drink or something that suits them, go take them something. Be like a little note saying, hey, just want to let you know I love you. Uh-huh. And that's one thing that's weird, not weird, but what needs to be more normalized is saying I love you to your friends. You know, saying like that, look, dude, you look like you're struggling. Let's go have lunch. You know, let's go to, or unfortunately not right now. But, you know, let's go to a movie, let's watch a movie, you know, something that, you know, will put them at ease. Otherwise, just ask them, you all right? You know, I do that to everybody. If a customer walks in and I could, I'm highly empathetic to people and in tune with that. And so if I notice that a customer is struggling, hey, you all right today? Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, how about I just buy you a drink today? And I hope you have a good day. 
you know, just be positive and loving towards people. I have no idea. You know, I get made fun of because I'm always hugging people. But, you know, I tell everybody that, man, you don't know what they're going through. They may need that hug today. I mean, they may need to just know that somebody actually cares. You know, so a hug, how are you doing? Uh, can I help you with anything? You know, anything like that is a way to let these people know, you know, that somebody oh. really cares. What a great, great message. Yeah. I think we absolutely need more of that in the world. Uh, there's so much. Uh, we hear about all the chaos all the time. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, for us all to make an effort to pay attention, open our eyes, look at what's going on around us, ask people around us if, how they're feeling. It's it's mm-hmm. a good reminder to get out of ourselves a little bit and reach out. Um, so... We can ask that question, talk to people, uh, find out if a little deeper, find out if they're having a plan, get, you know, get them to reach out to. There's a a suicide lifeline and it's 1-800-273-TALK or 8255 or there's a crisis text line 741-741 that you can text. I think that's really interesting that now we've moved into the ability to text you know, which is great, especially for the younger generations coming up. That's how they communicate, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that people have resources. Right. And uh, um, before we before we say goodbye to Angel, uh, Christy, what advice would you give for someone who is struggling? You know, I, I, I feel like I'm preaching about this, but it's like, you know, you have to you have to pay attention to yourself. And sometimes that feels, you know, people are like, you know, we were taught not to put ourselves first. Well, you have to constantly be checking your emotional well-being just like you do your physical well-being. If you're off for several days or if, you know, your emotional uh, well-being or your mental status prevents you from, um, you know, kind of like going about your everyday business in a way that's productive or that you normally do, you have to reach out to somebody. Don't oscillate. Don't think it's going to go away. So, you know, we talk about easy access now. Most places are doing telehealth. You can talk to a therapist, um, a social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, your medical doctor. If you have a phone or you have a computer or you have any kind of tablet, you can have access. So we want to stress to people, take advantage of the access. It's easier now than ever to just check in. And Angel's a perfect example of reaching out for help and um, it working for her. Yes. And for me, your story, Angel, um, you know, you you made by telling your story of your brother, it doesn't define him as just this event. Um, I can tell that your brother was a fantastic person. And I want to thank you and your entire family for the service that you guys have done for us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Very much so. And I wish I could give you a hug right now because it's been uh, just uh, touches my heart so much. And I know what a what a cool person you are and how uh, how friendly you are. And I know you're you're making a really great grand ripple effect on our community. So we thank you for that as well. Thank you for everything. Yes, thank you. Center Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas. Post-production work is done by Bailey Hennis. Content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards. Contact Centers for Children and Families at 
570-1084 or the recording library 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X dot O-R-G. Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.